Good morning, everybody. My name is Chris. I am the kids and family pastor here at North Church. Hey, I appreciate that. How human of you. Now, how many were here for the first message I did here? On uh, Yeah, okay. I saw on Facebook that someone put, had a fun message with Chris Pahalchuk today. It was great. Um, I guess your definition of fun around here is selling all you have and giving it to the poor. Now that's my kind of fun. So because I guess that message turned out to be a fun message, this time around they gave me Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh my goodness, how could that be fun? Well, I'll tell you this, when I first got the passage, I was like, no thank you. Actually, uh, when I first got the passage, I was thinking, okay, wow, this is kind of against my grain a little bit because honestly, my default setting when it comes to preaching a message is that I get afraid, I fear sometimes for us Christians that we're gonna be like, the world is a horrible place. Let's get in our holy huddle, in our God ghetto, and just, you know, stay in the corner, like, keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me, keep your eyes on me, everything in the world is going by, but we're gonna make this, we're gonna, Jesus is gonna come back, everything's gonna be okay, just keep your eyes on me. But the Bible says that we're here for a reason. We're supposed to engage the culture. Jesus could take us out of here if he wanted to right now, but he doesn't. He wants us to engage his world for his purposes, and that includes you and me in all of our flaws, in all of our shortcomings, but through the power of his Holy Spirit and the good news of the gospel. I just got goosebumps saying that. But anyway, <laughs> that's the good news. So when I first saw this passage, I'm like, oh man, what this is a passage about escapism. Like where the angels are saying to Lot, get out of Sodom, get out of here, it's gonna be destroyed. And so for me, I'm like, okay, well I know Pastor Mike and the creative team, you know, kind of have a message they're thinking of that they wanna be pulled out of here, but it's not what naturally comes to me. And so when I finally caught the vision for this message, I'm totally into it. And you know what the vision for this message is? is that although ultimately God wants us to engage the culture for the gospel, sometimes we're not ready for that yet. Sometimes there are places that are more detrimental to us than our ability to engage it for God's purposes are. And I, I wish I had an equation to give you for this message, like here's A, B, C equals whatever, now go for it. This is where you are gonna need to pray. You are going to need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. You're going to need community. You may need a mentor to help you through these things, but we're going to talk about what's our big idea. Let's throw a big idea up there. A lot of compromise. See what I did? Right there. Did you see the see what? You're welcome. A lot of compromise leads to a vexed soul. Now that word vexed. Who used the word vexed this weekend so far? Maybe if your parents. Anyway, that is a King James version word of talking about Lot that we'll get to in a second, that his righteous soul was vexed. So he found himself in Sodom. How did Lot get there? How did Lot get to Sodom? Well, if you're watching the slideshow, you could see that Lot left with Abraham, or Abram at the time, when God called Abram to go from his home country and begin this trajectory heading towards blessing and a blessing that would eventually bless the rest of the world. Lot was his nephew. So, Uncle Abraham, 
had a nephew. One nephew had Uncle Abraham. And that nephew started out pretty good. But then he compromised a lot. Hey, lot, get out of Sodom, lot. Anyway, I just... <laughs> Nine a.m. didn't get that one. <laughs> this eleven a.m. crowd encourages me to freestyle. You're amazing. I love it. I love it. But what we see is that uh, Abram and Lot—they were both really being blessed by the Lord. They're prosperous, and then they had too much stuff: people, cattle, herds—to be in the same portion of the land. So Abram's like this: Hey, look at the land. If you go one way, I'll go the other. Pick what you want. And Lot chose the land that was lush right near Sodom, which the Bible says right at that point was wicked. Lot already had a lot, but he wanted more. And that slowly gets him off the trajectory that Abraham was on in covenant with God. And so if you read Genesis chapters 13 to 19, you'll see that, that Abraham, yeah, He's making some mistakes, but he's righting the wrongs along the way, which we're going to talk about this morning. Lot, he gets so entrenched that he ends up in a place that's going to suffer God's destruction. He has to be told repeatedly, get out of Sodom. So therefore, we need, oh, sorry, <clears throat> eventually destruction. Uh, a lot of compromise leads to a vexed soul and eventually destruction. And this is did Lot end up there through different compromises and then Eventually, destruction. The Bible tells us over and over again that why sin is sin is because it eventually destroys us. It really does. And so the fear of the Lord is a very real thing. And that if we're not in line with, as God is leading us in life, destruction is headed to us. And sometimes that comes as individuals. Sometimes that comes as societies and, and empires and, and communities. So... Um, therefore, we need to make appropriate readjustments along the way, and sometimes even a complete restart. So these are the two things I want to talk about today, that in our lives, when sometimes maybe we recognize some compromise in our life, maybe it's just some foolish decisions, maybe it's just ignorant. Do you ever think to yourself, man, five years ago, I was so ignorant. Whoever thinks like that, like five years ago? And then like, what are you gonna say about yourself who you are today, five years from today? Man, I was a loser. <laughs> and I'm so glad I'm so cool now. This is amazing. Um, this keeps replaying in my life every five years or so. <laughs> but sometimes we need to make readjustments, meaning that along the way, like Abram did, just some subtle choices, some subtle differences that make a big difference in our life. Other times we need complete restarts, like get out of Sodom. So I'm gonna be looking at that for our families today, because you know, for some of us, when you think of a vexed soul, how many of you look at what's going on around the world and you feel horrible sometimes? Raise your hand if you feel absolutely horrible. How many times do you um, maybe even like shed a tear over something, and you just can't shake it out of your mind what people are going through and the evil that's in our world. And then even sometimes, that begins to creep into our families. And then we're really heartbroken. Well, what I wanna share with you today are some things that we can consider to get out of Sodom, to make readjustments, maybe even complete restarts in our lives when it comes to God's will for us. 
what is a readjustment? Let's tell I got a little working definition here of a readjustment. Let's throw that up there. A readjustment, the act of recalibrating something to match a standard. So what is something that we recalibrate? I thought this would be like awesome for guys, you know, like, like I like to recalibrate, <laughs> okay? Um, but all of us like recalibrate. And the thing that I think of is in my hometown of Thunder Bay, there is a restaurant called the Hoido. Yes, the Finnish restaurant. We had the highest non-Finland Finnish population in the world in my hometown of Thunder Bay until Toronto just beat us a few years back. Anyway, Toronto's beating everybody these days. Um, but anyway, sorry, Mariners. Sorry about that. I was rooting for you. It's always nice to root for the underdog. What in the world was I saying? Oh yeah, so this Hoido restaurant, it's like if you are visiting me like in, in my hometown of Thunder Bay, I will take you to the Hoido because that's what we have. Shawnee went there the first time. She goes, I don't know what the big deal is. It's like just a lot of pancakes, a lot of Finnish pancakes, almost like crepes, really thin, whatever. Big pile for next to nothing. Amazing deal. Anyway, they have this big honking scale at the, when you walk in the door so that I guess you can weigh yourself before and after you eat. <laughs> but sometimes people get on the scale and they're like, you know what, that's not as, you know, that's not my accurate weight when I remember me, you know, being. And uh, basically it's, it's always off. The, the needle never stops, starts at zero. It's either too low or too high and so you're not getting an accurate reading. That's what we mean about recalibrating, you know, getting that back to zero. When it comes to God, that's what we saw with Abram over and over again. You know, Abram does something in his own way, and then God's like, no, I'm gonna do it my way. And, and Abram cooperates with that. That's kind of what like discipleship is in following Jesus. But Lot, he seems to just really get off course through making multiple decisions. So sometimes just a slight readjustment will make a big difference. We'll talk about some ways we can do that. What's a restart? A restart is a new beginning. This is where it's like, no, it's not just you know, changing one little thing in this area of my life. I gotta start again from scratch. Now I'll tell you what, when I give a message, if I can bring in one of my personal interests into my message, then I feel like I've won. And I don't really care about you, it's more about me. <laughs> so if I can bring in Starbucks, Star Wars, or baseball, I love it. Can you just entertain me for a while? So this is the picture of Roy Halladay. He also played on the Philadelphia Phillies. He's trying to be relevant for you Americans. Um, and as a, as a major league pitcher, you're constantly on the mound making adjustments. Like someone is cranking your fastball out of the park, then you need to change speeds change something, you gotta constantly make an adjustment. That's why you like, see pitchers all like, you know, they're all like serious, get the sign and all like that. And then when they walk off, they're like, yeah, yeah. Or if they don't do well, they cry. But um, <laughs> it's constant readjustments being made. But Roy Halladay, one of the best pitchers of all time, and uh, in his second major league start ever, he almost threw a no-hitter. He got to the ninth inning, almost a no-hitter in his second major league start ever. If that was you, how would you feel? It's like, man, major leagues, not as, not as hard as you thought they were gonna be, this is awesome. He had a fastball in the high 90s and would just like throw his fastball, whatever, but one thing about the major leagues is that no matter how 
hard you throw your fastball, major league hitters will catch up to it. And guess what happened the following year? He recorded the highest earned run average. That means the amount of runs that you give up per average per nine innings that any pitcher has ever given up in the history of baseball with a qualifying 50 innings pitched. <laughs> guess what happened to Roy Halladay? They said, you're not just going down the triple A. You're not just going down the double A. You're going down to single A where all the rookies are, just fresh out of college or high school, that's where you're going. And then there was this pitching coach down there who used to be a major league pitching coach. His name is Mel Queen. And Mel Queen said to Roy Halladay, you are gonna learn how to pitch all over again. And so what happened is that Roy Halladay, how could he have responded to that? I'm not sending me down to the minors. I've already had like almost a no hitter in the majors. I can't go back down there again, that's humiliating. Instead, Roy Halladay decided, yes, I'm gonna go with this, and he allowed to, the coach to mentor him, and then he, as he had success, single A, double A, triple A, and of course, perfect games, Cy Youngs, all those things followed in the future. Sometimes God wants to do that with us. Sometimes it's not just about a readjustment while we're on the mound, it's about going all the way down, back to the beginning, and learning how to do life all over again. Learning how to do a relationship all over again learning how to make wise choices all over again. Are you with me? It's interesting for um, Lot, how many times he had to be told to get out of the place, get out of Sodom. Let's look at the list. This is like all in a matter of verses. Get them out of here. This is the angel to Lot and his family. Get them out of here. Hurry and get out of this place. Hurry, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Flee there quickly. Over and over again, something happened to Lot while he was there. This is best summed up by Jesus in Luke chapter 17, verses 32 and 33. Jesus says this to his contemporaries and to us. He says, remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. Lot's choices of compromise and getting off Abram's trajectory caused him to be in a place where he was holding on to the prosperity and success and place he had in Sodom. And that grip was so tight, it eventually gripped him to where it seems like he could not get out of there. He had to be told multiple times, get out, destruction is coming, it's about fire and brimstone, all those things, get out of there. Sometimes we have those things in our life and we need to do a restart. All right, let's talk about the area of relationships. Oh, sorry, that was a, I, that, that was a sneak peek to that one. Sorry, my bad. Uh, relationships, let's talk about relationships. No, wait a minute, I lost my, okay. <clears throat> Take two. Let's talk about residents. Let's talk about residents. Readjustments and restarts in residents. So you see all the times that God told uh, Lot to get out of Sodom, get out of there. Sometimes in our residents, we need a total restart. Now I don't wanna make a bunch of new rules for you because as Christians, we don't have a lot of rules. We have a lot of strong ones. You gotta forgive, you gotta love, you gotta love your enemy, those types of things. When it comes to the decisions you make in your life, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need community, we need mentors to help us with these things. But there are some times in our lives where we just have to get out of where we're living. Sometimes for kids, for students, it's school. They could be in a school, in a peer group that is totally destructive, 
leading kids down a road that we've heard too many times, one is too many times, we've heard it so many times, where a student takes their lives because of what they're experiencing at school and on social media. And sometimes, as parents, we have to make that decision, hopefully with our kids, but sometimes for our kids, just saying the place where you're at is not safe for you. I know that for a lot of us, we want our kids to be like shining lights for Christ, and I'm all about that. I told you, I'm all about engaging the culture more than fleeing it, but sometimes our kids can't handle it. It's your job as a parent to be thinking about how and when it's time to change where your child sometimes is going to school. That sometimes is a dramatic change we have to make. Sometimes it's just a readjustment, a new routine, new habit with school, maybe new friends, maybe more parental involvement, whatever it is. So sometimes it can be a restart, sometimes a readjustment in our residence. As uh, older students and young adults, you may think about, um, I don't know, maybe there's a number of us that over, I won't ask for a show of hands, but over the years you've had a romantic relationship that's been destructive. A romantic relationship that is leading you in a way that is not the way that Christ would want you to go. And over and over again, you're like, here I am, down at your feet. You know, just over and over again, we're at that place where we're failing and we need God's mercy. Sometimes in a relationship, in those types of relationships, we just need a restart. Like just right from scratch. Maybe it's a new person that God has for us in our future that we need to end the present relationship that we're in because it is not good news. Sometimes in a romantic relationship, it may be just some recalibrating some readjustments where it's like you know what in order for us to have a healthy Christ honoring relationship at this stage of our relationship we need to make some dramatic changes in how we relate to each other sometimes in our homes or for a student in our homes sorry for a student sometimes it's where we're going to school even then you know college kids live in dorms that's fantastic but sometimes dorm life might be too difficult for a Christian young person to handle. It just might be. I'm not trying to be a cosmic killjoy here. I'm just saying that if we're serious about putting Christ first in our life, sometimes you might have to choose an alternative that's not very popular and that might make us look like cowards. But it's that idea that sometimes we need to make those changes. Sometimes it's changes about our residence like, for example, the portals that we allow into our residence. When Shawnee and I, my wife and I, first started in vocational Christian ministry and youth ministry, the first time we had our youth group over to our house, they laughed at us. You know why? They're like, oh, you don't even have a TV. It was like the first thing they said when they came into our house. It's like kids like looking for a TV. Like back then, there wasn't internet. We had internet, but it was like super slow. You had to dial up took 40 minutes to download a streaming video of your favorite band and then it didn't work <laughs> after you waited all that time. That's how it worked back then. So we had TVs, but um, for Shawnee and I earlier in our marriage, we just didn't have a need for TV. Actually, we still don't have a need, t need for TV until the Blue Jays make the playoffs. <laughs> and then, it's, seriously, cable companies know me. Like, oh yeah, you're the guy that orders it for baseball and then cancels it when it's done. <laughs> like, that's me. Then I get the introductory awesome deal every time. <laughs> I'm not saying that TV is bad or that TV is wrong. What I'm saying is that there are portals sometimes that we allow for culture of the world to come into our homes. 
And we have to make the decision on how much of that are we gonna allow. Now it's even just absolutely crazy with the World Wide Web, W-W dot. It's so crazy that what used to be, you know, kind of a distance from us are now right in our homes, right in our hands. How, cra how crazy is it now that we have many computers in our pockets? Can you believe that? Like before 2007, we never dreamed of such an idea. I mean, some people with Palm Pilots maybe dreamed of it. Who had a Palm Pilot? Raise your hand. Okay, we're not gonna hang out with you. Okay, anyway, no, just kidding. No, you're the cutting edge people. You're like, I got a Palm Pilot. Um, but now we have these cra crazy portals. And now we give our kids these devices into our residence, into our homes. That now it's not just about what mom and dad say, what a parent says or a guardian says, now it's about everything's available on the internet. And this is why we have to even do more of a work to not allow Sodom into our homes in the sense of different types of filters. The Disney Cube, limiting the amount of time on a screen, limiting um, accessibility, all those types of things that we really have to think about as parents and act on. Even the idea of video games. I mean, I love Pac-Man. I love Pac-Man. But sometimes what some of the video games are that we kind of allow into our homes just because they're video games, sometimes we need to rethink what are we teaching our kids? What are we energizing them by? Sometimes it's a slight adjustment of turning the Wi-Fi off or getting a filter or saying, you know what? We can play video games here certain times and only certain ones because this stuff is important to who we're being shaped to be. So those are some examples in residence that we need to make sometimes. Also in relationships. Let's take a look at relationships. And we want to engage friendships, we want to engage the culture, but sometimes it rings true in our lives. This verse from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. I don't know if we can hear that from God today. Stop sinning. What are the relationships that we have going on in our lives? And maybe it's not just a matter of a subtle adjustment, readjustment. Maybe it's a total restart. As I talked about earlier, maybe it's that romantic relationship that just is leading us down that path. Maybe it's just something that is a readjustment in our home. Maybe it's the way that we're relating as a family in uh, our equipped parenting sessions that we're doing on Monday nights, can I give you a little free tidbit? Can I give you one free little part of that? What makes a parenting seminar worth the price of admission for me, the first one I went to taught this. When your child annoys you, when there's something that you find your child is done, or not done, or left undone, or done that they weren't supposed to, sometimes our first parental reaction is just to go like, who did this? Or Johnny, how dare you, you know? And we start calling and long distance calling and all this kind of thing. Um, what we've been talking about on Monday nights is one of the keys to improving home relationships, dynamics in our home, is to get close to our kids before we call to them. Get go find them and what they're doing so that we can show them that we value relationship and we can help them disengage from what they're doing and engage with us. A new way, that's a subtle adjustment that can make a big difference in our homes. So instead of being like me, 
who walks into the front door of the house and sees a dirty sock on the kitchen table. <laughs> and I want to yell out, whose dirty sock is this? And then my wonderful wife comes around the corner, Chris, I know you're upset about this sock, <laughs> but the children and I are sitting in the living room having a wonderful story time right now. So they're relaxed and it's great and this rarely happens. Can, they, can you worry about the sock later? <laughs> well, of course I can, honey. Thank you. Sometimes there's subtle adjustments we make in our home to bring those dynamics back and, and improve them. But sometimes they're total restarts. Can you, I don't know if God is bringing anything to your mind when it comes to the relationships in your life. Do they need readjustments or do you need some restarts? Come to your senses. Let's stop sinning. The last one is reasons. You know, people say, raise your hand if you've heard this one before, everything happens for a reason. Raise your hand if you, seriously, raise your hand. I'm waiting until every hand goes up in here or we are not leaving. Okay, we've heard that. Everything happens for a reason. And it's kind of some like fatalistic, I have hope where I am because everything happens for a reason. Now I get it, God works beyond our choices, thank God, seriously. Um, but at the other, other times, sometimes, like why did Lot end up in Sodom? Everything happens for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reason was you saw the better land near a wicked place that you thought you could prosper by. Yeah, you were there and you became wealthy. You weren't engaging the culture. You were manipulating or what's the word I'm looking for? Just benefiting from the culture in a way that you should have been there to bless it and lead it in a different direction. And then you didn't want to go. Then you didn't listen to the angels. They had to keep on repeating themselves, get out of here, hurry, go. Lot in Sodom happened for a reason. His wife turned to a pillar of salt, looking back, longing back, because she was holding on to that life. She turned to a pillar of salt for a reason, is that she had gripped on, she wouldn't let go of her life in order to really find it following God. I am about, so what we need to do sometimes is rethink our reasons for why we're making certain decisions. Now, I am about to curse you. No, wait a minute, bless you. I'm gonna bless you with a Jedi mind trick that I've played on myself and I can't escape it now. Like, you know, these aren't the droids you're looking for. I've done this to myself numerous times with God things. So that when I'm in my haze and days of everyday life, God can get my attention. You ready to be blessed? Let's look at this. 633. That's just a shot from my iPhone, my mini computer. 633. Matthew 633 says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Now, all these things that get added unto us are our basic needs and what we need to survive. And basically what Jesus was teaching is that if you put him first and put his ways first, it's the best scenario for you setting up the rest of your life. It is the best, it's eternal, it's the best in the here and now. So what I've done to myself and what I'm doing to you, laboratory rats, right now, is 
Every time I see a clock that says 6.33, I think, seek ye first the kingdom of, you know, I think that. And I think, wait a minute, am I putting God first in my life right now? And what I'm doing and what I'm thinking and where I'm heading is God's kingdom, his redemptive reign. Is that what I'm promoting, cooperating? Is that my trajectory right now? For God's blessings in my life to turn into blessings in other people's lives. Is that, is that what I'm doing? And I do this at 6.33 a.m. and 6.33 p.m. Where's my day headed? Where's my day come from and into my evening? And the next day. I remember one time when I first started doing this, one time I was rude to my wife. This happened like 15 years ago. <laughs> Back when I was an immature Christian. Um, that's really hard to remember. Anyway, um, I was leaving the house and I was just rude to her. And then I looked at my phone, 6.33. The accordion started. And I realized, Lord, it's not putting your kingdom first, your righteousness first, what I just said to her. And I needed to go back and make that right before carrying on with my day. That's just a little slight readjustment. Sometimes they're total restarts. It's like I've been building my life on the sandy ground. I've been building my life on the sand. And that house is going to fall. And I need to learn now from scratch to build a brand new house on the rock. And so sometimes in those, those places we need God's spirit to lead us. We need little tricks like this. We need mentors. We need the power of community to help us. But in closing, let's read our big idea one more time. A lot of compromise leads to a vexed soul and eventually destruction. Therefore, we need to make appropriate readjustments along the way, sometimes even a complete restart. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you could have just destroyed Sodom right away, but you allowed Abram to pray. You allowed for the righteous to escape. And Lord, whatever our Sodom is, whatever our, our lot of compromise is in our lives, whether it was intentional or whether it was ignorant, just foolish, Lord, help us to, to retrack our steps and to make the readjustments we need to make in our lives. And Lord, if there are some restarts that we need to do in our lives to make dramatic differences, Lord, help us to have the guts and courage to do that. As families, as students, as young adults, all ages, Lord. Help us every time we see a clock that says 633, to re-examine our lives and to look at the trajectory that we're on and help us to get back on track with you. Lord, we thank you that we're not alone in this, that you say you are with us, that we are a part of a community of people and that we have mentors and friends and family to help us through. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Lead us by your grace in the here and now and forever. Amen.